0: Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Well, I ruptured, otherwise known as tore, completely my Achilles tendon. It's like popping a rubber band, and it's painful. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever... Yeah, huh? I'm just wondering. We could commiserate, share stories, you know? It's it's like kidney stone people. If you've ever had kidney stone, and you see somebody in the crowd and they start talking about kidney stones, you're like, Yep, yeah, me and you. I, I got you. I know what you're talking about. That's another thing. It's weird how we bond over pain, though, isn't it? I mean, it's like, oh, and people start telling you their stories. Oh, I was laid up for six weeks here, and I was this and that, and but it's weird when we bond over emotional pain that's destructive, too, right? That can lead to dark places. By the way, I've been on my back for over two weeks, so I've got about 27 sermons to cover today. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to hear a lot. No, actually, you know, I I just wanted to keep it simple. I do do have something that is challenging, and it's challenging for all of us, but I think it's it, it just reminds us that God is for us, and that he's always leading us, <clears throat> and his spirit will do what he said it would do, and that's lead and guide us into all truth. Amen? But anyway, so for the story, do you want to hear the story? Yeah. You can all laugh. You can all laugh at one time, and that's it. I'm going <laughs> to grant you the one time. Uh, so, you know, my, I grew up with a pool, grew up with a diving board, trampoline, been been active and a, maybe a little daring, pretty much my whole life, and you know hundreds and hundreds of backflips. And so I am on the diving board, preparing for a backflip. And for some reason, I thought it would be funny to show off for the kids. And you know, you know how the Olympic divers <laughs> do, and they're and I'm like goofing around, and I and I lose concentration on my feet, and I'm not paying attention, and. As my arms are flailing, I am not kidding you, I hear, and I know that it was God now, don't be showing off. And it just hurt, you know, that's exactly how God would talk to me. And I just ignored it and went right on through it. I, you know, I believe absolutely that when Jesus said that his spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth, that he is always, before anything ever happens to you, going to reveal to you what the truth of that situation is. And you have a choice to go through it or not. He says, all right, here's the truth of what you're about to do. Which one are you going to choose, life or death? In every situation, he does that. I I don't back down on that. That's a line in the sand that I draw But I believe that's what he says. He will lead and guide you into all truth, always, all the time. Now, that's comforting, but that's also challenging because that means you need to hear God. But jump on the podcast. I just did a message on that called You Hear God Better Than You Think. You know, he says that his sheep know his voice, right? Well, when you know that you're a sheep, you'll hear his voice. It's not about taking the seminar on How do I discern the voice of God from my emotions, from the devil, from my father's voice in my head? You know, it's not about trying to sort voices as much as it is, do you know who you are? Bless you. You all right? Yeah. All right. (laughs) But that's the point, though, it's right. His sheep know his voice. Are you a sheep? You know his voice. You absolutely know his voice. You don't need to take a class on how to figure it out. Now, it is good to practice. I'm not trying to say don't give and take classes. Give and take classes, but do it from the position that you understand I am a child of God. All of the things that Jesus said his Holy Spirit would do when he sent his Holy Spirit into this earth are all relational things. Remind you of what he had taught you tell you of things to come, lead and guide you into all truth. And that wasn't just for the disciples. You know, there, there's, a, there's a thread that has crept into Christianity that's labeled cessation, cessationism, that believes that all the gifts stopped and God isn't talking to anyone anymore because we got the Bible and that's it. He doesn't need to say anything else. Well, I don't know about you, but I need God talking to me every day. Amen? Amen. Amen. And he does and he will. And if you were to be honest with yourself, you hear him all the time. But you hear him better on accident than you do on purpose. I'm just convinced of it, you know. And it it has more to do when you are confident in who you are in him. That's when you're going to hear him without even trying to hear him. So, you know, this is not a test. This is not just an accident. This is me ignoring God. It is what it is. And, And now, you know, it's not that I beat myself up. It's not that I feel like, oh, I'm, you know, whatever the negative things. Don't feel sorry for me. Don't sit there and say, oh, you shouldn't be that hard on yourself. I'm not really hard on myself. We all miss God. It happens, you know. So, but today I wanted to go into this thing about self-deception. That sounds like a real rosy title, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, usually it's, you know, bless God, faith, and grace, and you're whole and righteous in him. Well, because you are righteous through the blood alone, and because his love is seeking to make you whole in your soul constantly, you can handle this kind of stuff. So I just, I kind of just went through and I started thinking about a lot of the, a lot of, I have the same conversation with a lot of different people regarding behavior, regarding challenges, you know, money, job, family. It, it's all pretty related. There's not that much unique that people deal with. It's just different facets, different degrees, different scenarios. But we all pretty much <coughs> deal with the same things. You know, our problems are not that special. Am I, like, too harsh? Have I, I've, I've been, like,
1: no,
0: I've been laying on my back thinking i got to get in there and <laughs> preach.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't want to beat around the bush because here's the deal. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, mm-hmm. And you should be reflecting that in your life. Amen?
1: Yes,
0: no, no bones about it. Your life should look like you are continually being transfigured into the image of Christ. Because God, before time, decided, this is what it's going to be like. I'm going to choose Israel to bring my Messiah into the earth. And it's not just for Israel. It's going to be for the Gentiles as well. And once they figured that out, they took it to the whole world. And then I just lost my whole train of thought right there. That's the Percocet, <laughs> which, which I'm not on anymore.
1: So you didn't tell the whole story,
0: huh? Yeah. <laughs> Brain fog. I've been off those things for a couple of weeks. It sounded really good, though. You know, I was going somewhere. A couple of days. <laughs> I don't know what happened. But, but um, what was I saying? Right. Oh, the, the, the predestination part. God chose Israel. That was the elect. Those were the chosen people to bring the Messiah into the earth, right? And then it was for the Gentiles as well. And once they figured that out, they started taking it to the whole world but also within the Israelites being the chosen people that the Messiah would come through, the elect, it was now for all who will believe. And so at that point, what is now left to be fulfilled of predestination is that his believers, his children, continual, continue to be transformed into the image of Christ, right? Predestination is not you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. It's the way that God chose to, through this particular group of people, bring the Messiah into the earth, and the way that he determined ahead of time that he would bring salvation and make children his own, make people into his own family through adoption, was through Christ. You know, it's it's an interesting study if you go through and you reframe election, chosen, predestination, and all of that stuff in light of what I just described. It's pretty simple. There's not a whole lot of complication to it. It's just that some people have been taught their entire lives for centuries that it's for certain people and not for certain people. So you kind of have to do your own research on that. So here's where I want to go today. Now, under the Spirit, we don't live by the letter of the law. We live by faith led by God's Spirit from the heart. You know, people say, well, just follow your heart, and sometimes people start to figure out some of this heart knowledge and discover that, yeah, what I believe in my heart is what I'm going to do in my life, so I want to make sure that I'm growing my heart, or I'm making sure my heart is whole and healed through his love, and I'm making sure that I'm sowing the Word of God into my heart, and I'm meditating, and I'm Doing acts of kindness and service toward people because it's good for my heart, you know. And it, as you clear your heart, and that's why a lot of times people that that their ministry is more called to the supernatural and deliverance and healing, they'll walk you through a process of forgiveness because that forgiveness, lodged, unforgiveness lodged in your heart, might be blocking you from receiving what God has already given you in Christ. You don't you don't ask for forgiveness. Because you have to do that before God can release healing. It's blocking your heart from being able to receive everything that God has for you, and so you have to let it go. So a lot of times people that, that their ministries are called to focus on healing, you hear that, you know, you kind of walk them through unforgiveness. But I hope that they understand that it's for the purpose of clearing that person's heart rather than a law that you keep to get God to release something for you. Can I get Amen. So we don't live by the letter of the law. We live by faith, led by God's Spirit, from the heart. So when people say, well, just follow your heart, well, sometimes you can, sometimes you can. not Really, the, be- the, the proper phrase should be, follow God from the heart. Right? Because when you follow him from the heart, it's going to be real for you because you, in your deepest part of who you are, you're involved with it. It's not just the law that you're keeping, Right? So God, by his spirit or his life essence in us, is seeking to bear fruit. And if we'll yield to him, let him bear fruit through us, we'll experience what we're predestined to do, which is transfigure into the image of Christ. It's Pretty simple, right? And in Galatians, we see the list of the the fruits of the spirit. This week, do that. Jump over into Galatians and look at that list of fruits of the spirit. But realize that those are things that grow out of you, not principles that you are to attain. You know what I mean? It's like, well, God told me I should be a little bit more patient right here, so I'm gonna, I better learn how to be patient. It's like, no, you need patience to have life. You need patience to have, to express the image of Christ in you in this moment. So rather than thinking, I need something that I don't have, look at it as, this is something that God is in me. God is patient within me. I am going to resonate and identify with who he is in that area and let it come from the deepest part of who I am so that it is my patience. See, a lot of us are still junkies. We come into the kingdom, we get off the drugs, and we spend our whole, most of our lives looking for the high. Let me, get, let me take something externally that will give me a boost. Let me put something in that will take me to a different state of mind. And then we come into God and we do the same thing. We put God out there and we keep wanting him to show up and do things for us so we can go to a different place. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. I changed you from the inside with my spirit. Now, let that continually work in you to bear these fruits that bring that peace. Amen? See, when you need peace, you don't need God to send it on the wings of an angel, and then now you have some peace. You need to own that you have peace in you. You need to learn how to live in the peace that you are, right? You look at post-resurrection Christ, and he'd show up, and he'd say, peace, be still, peace, be still. I mean, that was like his biggest concern is that they just, look, just chill out, guys. I think if the Bible were written today, it'd say, "Chill chill out, chill out. Relax, take a deep breath. It's all good. Look, I'm here. Nails in my hands. Put it in my side. I'm real. This is real. You're not. You're not tripping. You know. You're. This is real. Now. Now that I've established that we're at peace, we're good. Now let's move on to what we need to deal with. Right. That's what we always have to do as believers: is always, always, always go back to that place of peace. I'm good with you. Now, some people have said. Because I'm good with God, I don't need to change. He's good with me right here in the middle of my death and destruction. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> but it's, it's some people take it, you know. Some people take that freedom as an occasion for the flesh or into greasy grace. Or there's this cute little term called hyper grace. I don't even know what that means. But people say that, you know, if you preach too much on grace, it's, you're giving people a license to sin. Do you need a license to sin? I mean, you, we pretty much do it on our own anyway. So why is it seemingly difficult to change sometimes? I think it's one answer, and it's because in every area of our life, we're not committed to being his disciples. Now, in the next several weeks, maybe even a couple of months, we're going to start going into this series that really breaks down the core values and beliefs of this church because, you know, we're growing and new people are coming in and I want to go over some of the basics, have that recorded as a series. But, you know, if you don't have access yet, we have an online uh, video course called Welcome to the Family that you can go through and it gives you a whole bunch. How many of you have done that already? Raise your hand. Yeah, and you can go in and out, you know, it, it takes about two and a half hours Um, A little bit more if you listen to some of the messages in there. Yeah, welcome to the family. Actually, don't don't go to that website. Don't go to that link. (laughs) Go to membership. You can leave that graphic up. It's fine. But if you're looking for it, just go to the uh, church website, forwardchurch.net, and under um, home, there's a membership link, and just click on that, and then you can get access into the uh, class. But... In that class, we kind of lay out this trajectory of the journey that we offer here at this church, and it's moving from believer to disciple to servant to leader. So this is going to kind of focus on going from a believer to a disciple. Now, at any point, you're a servant, and all a leader is is someone who recognizes their influence in a particular area and takes responsibility to bring God into that situation and and just help people point, to Jesus, right? So it's not like you go, you have to go through this big, long process to be a leader. You know, we're not talking about climbing the hierarchical ladder in this church to be a leader or any of that st- type of stuff. It's just, it's more about mindsets and how you function within the body. But this discipleship thing is important because a lot of us say we believe, but we don't put it into practice. Now, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking a lot about not just counseling sessions, but conversations, my own life, just watching and observing people in general, our lives would really change if we'd follow Jesus. I mean, it's it's wonderful to start and know that you're saved by grace through faith, and we will never leave the simplicity of the gospel. We will never leave affirming your identity. We will never say that that's just the beginning point and try to move on to higher and lofty things. We will always focus on the gospel, but I want to help us move from believers to disciples. Me too, right? I want to be a disciple. A disciple is someone who disciplines themselves after their master, Amen. who puts, the pr- puts into practice the teachings of their teacher. We follow Jesus, right? And here's the deal. It's not just... see. I started it off by saying, we don't follow God by the letter of the law. We follow him by faith now. Believers, children of God, follow God by faith. Now, of course, all of the Old Testament, the revealed moral code, the revealed wisdom of God is valuable. You can go to the book of Proverbs, and if you're a manager, you know, if you own a company, you can go to the book of Proverbs and go through and look how it Now, it's bad terminology, and thank God we've done away with slavery. I pray it's completely wiped off the face of the earth. But when you go back and you read something about master and slave, just replace that with boss, employee, or even parent, child. Just in some type of position of authority, right? Don't get caught up on the slave word. We know that's wrong. Should have never happened. And God is not advocating slavery God and a lot of times when you see it what is this? Are you keeping counts? this Sermon 15B, maybe.
1: <laughs>
0: but a lot of times when you see God address something like slavery, it seems like He's advocating it or condoning it. but really all he's doing is he's acquiescing to the level of their mentality in that moment. It's like, if you're going to behave this way, do it this way. I'd prefer you do this, but if you're going to act like that, do this. You, you see what I'm saying? not condoning slavery. He's just saying, because you're in this situation, live this way. So because now that we don't follow God by the letter of the law, even though we can go to the Old Testament, there's, you can get wisdom out of lots of areas, lots of different places. The Bible is a great one. Go to the old stories. Gain what you can. Gain the principles. Gain the wisdom that's revealed in those old stories. However, ultimately, if you're going to be a disciple, you must learn how to follow God inwardly from the heart. And it's not hard. It's not like you have to figure out how to get anointed enough to hear his voice. It's just that you wash and renew your mind with what he did for you so that ultimately how you see yourself is equal to what he says you are. When those are your thoughts about yourself, when in that moment you're standing there and your favorite sin is right in front of you and you remember, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have grace in me. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And when that becomes less I'm trying to attain to that and more this is who I am, man, sin's no problem. You just look at it and say, I can't believe I ever wanted that. I can't believe I ever behaved that way. I can't believe I ever thought that way. I mean, you talk to people that have had some really radical shifts in their mindsets, and you think back to how you used to be, and, and it's like, what? I was crazy. Anybody ever been crazy? <laughs> James 1, I didn't give them the uh, scriptures ahead of time, but basically we're going to go James 1, 18 through 27, and that's going to be it. You can put it up in the NIV because it, it reads well. So, your homework this week, go to Galatians, look at the fruits of the Spirit, and just meditate on them already being in you. Don't look at them and think, oh, I need to be more patient, because there's there's no end to that, right? There's no end to, oh, I need to be more long-suffering with this one. There's no end to that. Of course, you need to be more, but when you own that you have that in you, and you will draw on it when you need it, it's going to come out of you. When you are convinced of your identity in Him. It always comes back to identity. So let's just read through this: James 1:18. <clears throat> There's a phrase in here that just hit me, it you know, just it landed heavy this week in a good way. So he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Now think about that. What do you know about the word? What What is it? Think John, chapter 1. I'll give you a hint of where my mind's going because there's lots of... The Word became flesh. Word became flesh. Why? Because the Word was God. The Word is God. Jesus is the manifest Word of God. You know, it's the life of Christ in us that is the hope of glory. It's the mystery. It's us abiding in Him and allowing Him to abide in us. So when you hear this word of truth, we think Bible. Let me go learn the Bible. Let me, get a, let me be a master at the Bible. Especially people that think that God's not speaking anymore and that the gifts aren't for today, really major on the Bible. And that's good. I appreciate that. However, it misses the interactive, alive aspect of the word that you can experience day to day. So when I, when I read, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that's Christ. Jesus is the word of truth. You are born through Christ, right? You are remade, regenerated, become a child of God through Christ. Not through some principle that you lift out of the Bible. I'm not minimizing the Bible. I'm just trying to help us understand to be disciples, it's the living word within us that we live from. Amen? Now, the living word within you will always verify the written word and the, re- the previous revealed history. It's not going to just make up something new that contradicts the old. You know? So we have the written word as the anchor. And I'm a little leery of people that always, God told me this, God told me that. Well, I don't know if I'm spiritual enough to hear God like that. All I know is when, I, when my inner thoughts match what I see revealed in the word and it's alive to me in that moment then I can act. And I'm not just looking for the Bible to tell me what to do. I'm just making sure that my mind is in agreement with God's wisdom as I make whatever the next decision is I need to make. Diving boards aren't in the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) You you, you see what, what I'm saying? He chose to give you birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that, get, that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth. Now, a disciple reads this kind of passage and desires to get rid of moral filth, right? Yeah. However, the way you go about it is through fruit-bearing, not working really hard to clean up your behavior. You understand? See, transformation, so that you can clean up moral filth, comes from you renewing your mind, specifically renewing your mind in light of what Christ has done in you and who you are in him. See, a lot of, you can read this and say, well, I need to clean up some moral filth in my life and and start to feel really guilty and start to feel like you're really short. You have some shortcomings in that area, you know? And so you start to use this, has a law against you, and you begin to feel condemned. Don't do that. Stop it. This is more of an invitation. This is, oh, okay, I see that God now wants me to live morally clean. So, because Christ is in me, he can bear that fruit through me. But yet again, it's not, God, send me some moral cleanliness that I can put in and I can ride that wave. No, it's, I desire, I want this in my life. I want to live morally clean in my life. Not just because I feel like God wants me to, but because I trust him. This is my master. I want to live in in a way that brings glory to him. So I am going to yield to him from the heart to let him bear this in my life so that I own the change. Because you're going to have moments where you have to make a decision to let the transformation happen. God can't just change your heart. You've asked him to, haven't you? God, would you please just fix this in me? He's like, I gave you Christ. He, growing in you, will. It's like when Paul said, this thorn in the flesh, God, need your help on this. He says, my grace in you is sufficient. My grace in you is what you need to walk out of this situation. A lot of times you hear preachers preach that message and it's that, like, that's a no. Paul says, God, will you help? He says, my grace is sufficient. Translate somehow to God saying, no, not going to help. You need to suffer with this for a little while. <laughs> you ever heard it taught like that? Yeah. Yeah. Here's some grace is a no? What? That person doesn't understand grace. My grace is sufficient is, Paul, it's like he, it's like he told Moses. Moses says he's already seen all those incredible miracles in front of Pharaoh. They are led out of Egypt after the Egyptians came and just gave them millions of dollars worth of gold, so much that they couldn't even carry. They get to the edge of the sea, and Moses is like, well, I don't know what to do now. These people and this and you, and he's looking for somebody to blame. And God says, Moses, why are you crying to me? Use the staff that I've given you. He already had within his own hand what he needed to watch God move through him. Now, there's a co-laboring there, and the co-laboring is that you have to be willing so that you're not blocking what God wants to do anymore. Are you saying we can tie God's hands? No, I'm saying God upholds his word that he gave you dominion over this planet. All right. Therefore... Get rid of moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. This this just is awesome. Go back if you would. Humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Think about that for a minute. Just say that in your own mind. Humbly, I will humbly accept the word planted in me which can save me. Do you, do, you, do you feel that? I mean, you may or may not feel anything. That's not the point, but Christ is the word in you, right? I will humbly accept the word, Christ in me, that can save me. That's huge. That is huge. What does save mean? Killed, whole, made whole, delivered, restored, kept safe, rescued, prospered. It's all-inclusive. It's powerful. This is what we want. This is what we want to be in this earth because people out there are starving to see a group of people that call themselves followers of Jesus actually live like Jesus. And I'm not just talking about miracles. I'm mostly talking about displaying the fruits of the Spirit. Miracles too. Verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word... And so deceive yourselves, do what it says. This is another big one. Leave it on that for just a minute. This is this is where I'm this is the point of this message today is that when we just listen, if you just come in here and you enjoy these messages, and then you go out of here and you don't ever put this stuff into practice, you're deceiving yourself. You're still righteous. You've still been cleansed by the blood of Christ and left in a holy position. God is not mad at you. He is not holding your sin against you. However, you're deceiving yourself. You are at peace with God. God is going to continually, daily, moment by moment, lead and guide you in all truth. But if you are not intending to put it into practice, you're deceiving yourself. You are better at deceiving yourself than the devil is at deceiving you. You don't need the devil to deceive you. You know what the devil does? He says, oh, look at there. They're deceived. I'm going to go reinforce their deception. That's all he does. Now, if you're living like a lunatic, you might attract some devils, but the average person... You've been there, huh? (laughs) The average person doesn't need much help. I know because I've had some of you in my office.
1: <laughs>
0: but me too, man. I'm telling you, I'm getting ready to read through a list, and it's going to be like, oh. But remember, humbly accept the Word of God in you, which can save you. Don't just list. Do you intend to put the Word of God into practice? Yeah. So it's like, just be willing. Just be willing. Just just even in this moment, I'm willing, God. I'm willing to put your word into practice. And I trust that your spirit is going to lead me and guide me how to do this. So verse 22, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, see, he, he brings it back to identity. Someone who doesn't put the word into practice has forgotten who he is. It's like, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Isn't that interesting? But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, say doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And they're (laughs) religious. I'm just, (laughs) gosh, I don't even want to read the next part. You you read it. (laughs) Think about that. I can say this, mm-hmm. I know I shouldn't, but I can say this, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. I mean, that's the beginning of self-deception. If you know you shouldn't say it, especially about yourself, now, this is not the type of thing where it's like, you know, my, my Achilles tendon is uh, not yet healed. Oh, don't say that, brother, that's not a positive confession, you know. I'm talking more about those things where in daily life, or maybe even talking about other people, and you start to kind of like, oh, me and you are tight. I can say this to you, but yet inside you're kind of like... (laughs) It happens. In fact, let's just make this an exercise, okay? Do you want to figure out how to hear God better? Practice this. Next time you start to open your mouth and you feel that, "Mm, I shouldn't say this, (laughs) pay attention. It's a great teacher. The Spirit in you, helping you guard your mouth, is a great teacher. Amen? Amen. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. <clears throat> now, he kind of just goes in to give a practical, applic- practical example of what it looks like to do the word, right? To follow. It's like, you know, it, you should take, like at the, at, the, at the very least of being a disciple, keep your mouth shut, take care of widows and orphans, Right? I mean, it kind of, that's, that's just kind of like, let's be good Christians 101 type thing, you know. I'm going to inject another little sermonette into this part, because we got time. And then I'm going to go through this list that's kind of an O.B. Oh list. but So this part about, um, and you know, this is really not the point, and I didn't even plan to do this. I've been thinking about it, so I just, I do want to go ahead and save it, or say it. But taking care of the widows and orphans and those in distress and, and, you know, visiting people in prison and all that kind of stuff that it says that we should just do, you know, just set your heart and your intention to do those things, that you want to do those things, and as you have the opportunity, do them. It doesn't mean you need to start an orphan ministry and sell everything that you own to find homes for orphans. You know what I mean? It just means. Now, but let me tell you, let me give you an example of how church works, all right? I'm going to talk about money for a minute. Y'all okay with that? I don't talk about money a whole lot. I do believe that every believer should be giving a fixed percentage of their income to their local church. I believe that. Now, some people call that tithe, but tithe has a law-based association with it. Tithe was upheld by God this way. If you didn't tithe, he would not rebuke the devourer off of your stuff. So in other words, if you tithe, if you regularly gave a percentage of your income to the temple, which was supposed to take care of all the stuff that they were ordained by God to do. That was the purpose of it. If you regularly did that, you were keeping your end of the covenant. Therefore, God would keep his end of the covenant for you and protection and blessing would be for you. Now, you're in Christ. You are a joint heir in Christ, and he upholds your end of the covenant. So even if you don't do something that you're expected to do, you're not breaking the covenant because you are in the covenant and Christ upholds that covenant. Now, you might inside that covenant block yourself from experiencing the blessing because you're not functioning according to God's wisdom and logic. Make sense? So, the widows and orphans thing. If you give to this church, you actually took care of orphans this week. Uh, and I'll go even a little bit further, there were two families that were either homeless or really difficult situations that we were able to help make sure they had a home. You did that. I didn't do that. Adam didn't do that. You did that if you give to this church. Now, you guys know me. Y'all been here for a long time. I don't talk about money. It's not that I'm afraid to. It's just that I trust God And I trust that if you believe in what's happening here and if you benefit from these messages and you want to see this stuff go out, you're going to be generous and you're going to sow to whatever God's leading you to do. But I also want you to understand if you don't give, it's limiting what this body is called to do in this community. It just is. Now, I personally think that everyone should be giving at least 10%. But I'm not going and checking the giving records. I'm not mad at you if you don't. God's not mad at you if you don't. You are still a joint heir with Christ, qualified for every blessing that God has for you in Christ. Amen? Amen. However, if you want to learn how to receive, become a giver. See, what generosity does under the new covenant is it teaches your heart how to trust God. There's some very basic ways. You know, we all want to get better at hearing God, right? But the practical things that he tells us to do, we don't do. We want to chase the mystical things. We want to chase the, oh, this is, let me figure out how to follow God to do this, and I'm going to run over here, and it's like, okay, well, are you guarding your mouth? Are you giving a fixed percentage of your income? Because those are two basic things that God says, if you want to follow me, start there. It just is. It's that way. You know, you got 100 people in a room. I don't know what the income is, but 100 people giving 100 bucks a week, that's $10,000 a week. You can do a lot with $10,000 a week. Our average offering is about $3,000 to 4000 three 4, a week. And it, you know, jumps up sometimes, jumps down sometimes. This isn't like, oh, Clint's really angry. He's been laying on his back for three <laughs> weeks. What's going on? This is give giving down... I, I, I just, I just want you to know if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, put your money where your mouth is.
1: Amen.
0: If this is your church, put your money where your mouth. Put your money where your butt is.
1: Because
0: we need some better chairs. Aren't you guys tired of sitting in those black chairs back there? They don't feel very good, do they? They're not as comfortable as these chairs up here. So, um, and, and, and Can you receive that? Did you learn something in that? You know, and what's your commitment in that? I'm not going and looking at the records. I'm not going and treating people, the big givers, better. I don't even want to know who they are. That's not what it's about. It's about us collectively. We are we're a family in this place. I have felt it over this last couple of weeks, people showing up and calling and texting and bringing food. And, and, and it's awesome. It's amazing what a family of God can accomplish together. And if you feel disconnected, it's by choice. You're going to be as connected as you want to be. That's good, right? I might as well just cover that too. <laughs> <laughs> say, we still love you. Well, you can say a little bit louder than that. Anyway, I said, say, we still love you. We still love you. Oh, thank you. you. <laughs> All right. So here's a very interesting list. <clears throat> now, I'm going to do this in just a couple of minutes. I don't want to focus a lot on this. Don't use this list to beat yourself up. Just use it to realize, oh, I I do that. And one of the ways I'm going to stop deceiving myself is I'm going to guard my mouth. I'm going to put the Word of God into practice. And, And here's what it looks like. I promise you there are things that you are putting off in your life that you know what the next step is. I went through a period of time of personal investment when I was just reading books, reading books, looking for, you know, to understand, uh, mark, you know, at different stages, we've done different things, looking to understand marketing, looking to understand sales, looking to understand social media, understand this, understand this, understand this. And it's like, what if I just do what I already know? To me, that's as practical as it gets as far as putting the word into practice, do what you already know to do. When you're facing a challenge, sit, be at peace, remind yourself of who you are in Christ, and it's not that you're trying to hear God. You already know what that next step is, and if you don't, God will reveal it to you. The reason we don't do what we already know to do, the reason we delude ourselves is because We're not seeking to actually put the Word into practice. We're not actually seeking to put these principles into practice of relationship and all this kind of stuff. So here we go. Y'all ready for this? These are elements of deception, ways that we keep ourselves from experiencing God's best. And just buckle up (laughs) a little bit when you know better, but you still do it. Anybody ever done that? I feel like doing the Foxworthy thing to at least make it, you might be deceived when...
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. You know better, but you still don't do it. You ever done that? Now, that might even just be leaving a little early from work. You know what I mean? That might even be whatever it is for you. So when you can't let yourself see the truth of the situation, meaning you're trying to make it fit your view. It's like you see the situation, and it's like, I really know what this is, but I'm gonna, I don't like that. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna, let, me, let me pepper in a little deception here. When you choose confusion... I'm telling you, this is a big one. I've seen a lot of people do this, and it's not just counseling. If if I'm in counseling with you right now, don't think I'm picking on you. Everybody does this. Confusion is a choice because God will reveal the truth to you. When you find yourself confused, it's because you are letting yourself be confused. But the truth is there, and it's evident. Now, you might need to do a little bit of study. You might need to come to church and hear a teaching, you might need to put some worship music on, you might need to go get some counseling and the truth will be brought to you. You know, take some steps but when you see it and you still choose confusion. If you have someone you can manipulate and blame. Some of these will apply to you, some of them won't. What I'm talking about is codependency. Some of you are in codependent relationships and you're letting people manipulate you. You're letting them blame you. You are contributing to their deception. I know you love them. I know you care about them. I know you want to help them, but you're not helping them. When someone else tells you the truth and you defend your position, it's natural to defend ourselves. But when it's truth, and hopefully they do it in love, but you, you, you feel this need to defend yourself. Well, but I, pop pop I, I got a 12-year-old. Huh? Quit tipping the chair. Well, I'm leaning on this. Is that all right? Am I deceiving myself? Is that a point where I should listen? I'm hearing the voice of truth, and I'm rationalizing yes, It's Okay, I will put the chair down. Got it. Yes, thank you. This is a big one. If you find yourself in the same adversity over and over, you might be self deceived If people seem to keep saying the same thing to you, why do people keep saying that to me? Wherever you go, there you are. This is the last one. When you hold on to unrealistic expectations. And there's a real easy way out of deception, whether it be self-deception or even demonic deception. And that is, intend to put the truth into work in your life. The way that you learn to hear the truth is guard your mouth and be generous with your finances. I'm not just trying to slide the money thing in there to get money out of your wallet. I'm really not. He very clearly says where your heart is, there your treasure is. You want to know what you believe in, look at your bank account. Well, but I can't give. You know, once we get here, then I'll start giving. We'll give a dollar a week. Tell yourself, I am going to trust God, and I am going to do this so that I believe and trust God for provision in my life, and I am going to put it, it is, it is a biblical, godly principle for a body of people to support that body so it can do the work of God in its community. Amen. It just is. Now, you're not cursed if you don't do it, but you're, you're limiting that body if you don't. If you don't. You're limiting yourself, you're limiting the body, you're, you know. Now, I get it, you know, our tax structure, there's all kinds of reasons that it shouldn't be the way that it is, but, you know, it, it's kind of like do something. Do something with your mouth. Do something with your finances. Do something with all, how, how many of you are note takers in church? What do you do with those notes? Read, read them. Good.
1: Good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll be nice. I'm going to start being nice now, okay? <laughs> uh
1: Pastor.
0: Yeah. Because you lose things within what, what is it like 12 to 24 hours if you don't actuate it. Is that true? I mean, you know, there's probably studies that prove that in some way, yeah. But I mean, you got the notebook. You probably got the same notebook from 3 years ago, you know, I mean. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying it's not... I don't think it's lost. Don't let that create fear for you. It's like, well, if I don't do it right now, I can't ever do it. Huh? That's
1: why you need to stay in the
0: Word. Stay in the Word, yeah. But, but just very simply intend to put it into practice. You know, even like in the... When you come to church... I want it to be fun. I want us to have a great time. I, you know I love I love our band. I love the people that play in the band. They sound amazing and all the work that they put into it. I love seeing you guys, you know I mean, I love doing this. I could sit up here for another hour. Oh Lord <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh,
1: <please> God. <laughs> And you can leave
0: whenever you want to <laughs> I ain't mad at you. We'll just all look at you when you walk by. The bottom line is this, and I know Rachel's got something that she wants to add, and I'm sure it's going to be awesome. But let me just capsulize it this way. It's not just about your mouth. It's not just about your money. It's about you being a disciple. And if you want to be transfigured into the image of Christ and live out your confession of being a believer and follower of Jesus, there are some very practical things that you can do that will teach your heart and add to your capacity to hear and follow God, and they're very practical things if you just put those into practice. Amen? Amen. Rachel? Well, I just had a oh, Can you post that list somewhere yeah, okay. I'll do that for sure. People online are asking to... Oh, people online are asking, yeah. Hello, people online. There's people in Australia, Kenya, mm. Five people yeah, all from a, all different places. That's another thing. You know, you invest, your finance. There are people, There, there is a couple in Canada. Their names are Danny and Pat Page. They may be watching. Hello, if you're watching. I've met them through going to Canada with uh, Jim Richards. <clears throat> they don't have a church in their area. They just went and took the Welcome to the Family course and declared their membership. They, 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 this is their church. You know, and we put so much stuff out there for free. You're doing that, you know. If you believe in this, it's not just about... Gosh, I don't want to... I have value for this, and I'm going to keep doing it, and I pray you do as well. And we take this gospel to our community and further. Amen. Amen. Amen? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you so much for your kindness, for your mercy, for your grace. for your wisdom, for the salvation that we have in you, and we intend to be your followers. We want to show the world what it looks like when people follow Jesus. We're committed to walking in love toward one another. We're committed toward knowing your word and letting that word that is planted within us, being humble to accept that word planted within us to experience salvation.